This is John McPhail, director of Anna and the Apocalypse, and you're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Christmas, happy holidays, and welcome to the Ho Ho Horror Movie Podcast, where we are dead serious about horror movies. On Horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror movie discussions and reviews for classic films and new releases. We are your horror hosts, Gilman Joel, Dr. Shock, and the Wolfman. We are here, right here, right now, doing the Christmas episode 2020. 2020 is almost over. You're welcome. <laughs> we looking forward to that. Yeah. I was just on one of our listeners' podcasts talking about Christmas horror. That was the Screaming Cinema podcast, if people want to check it out. And we're going to talk about a lot of our listeners' podcasts here at the end of the show. Um, but they were saying, yeah, you know, there aren't very many good Christmas movies. And, you know, you guys have covered a lot of stinkers. And that's true, I think. If you look back at some of our Christmas episodes, at the end, kind of roundup section, we'll cover like a half dozen to a dozen just terrible Christmas movies. But generally, I think every year we've had at least one or two excellent Christmas horror films. And I think that's just because of the proliferation of Christmas horror in the 2010s. I think we've pretty much got a good Christmas movie or two every year for the last you know eight years we've been doing this Christmas horror coverage. And so this year was unique in that I don't think we did get any good new Christmas horror movies. Um, the Lodge, of course, you know, a lot of people will love, but it's not super Christmassy. And as I looked over the list of the movies we're going to be reviewing, just none of them are very Christmassy feeling. So one thing I wanted to ask you guys, if we could, before we got going on this show is for people who might, this might be their first time listening to our Christmas horror coverage or they just found this episode because they're looking for a good Christmas horror movie recommendation. Maybe we could each give one or two or three or more of our favorite Christmassy horror films that will enhance their holiday season. I am on board. Yep. And I actually have three that are uh, are tied into um, to HMP that, that I saw them uh, really because of the podcast. Uh, all three of these are ones I intend to watch this holiday season, but there's one that's become a staple and that is Chris Peckover's uh, Better Watch Out. I really, really love that movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's we saw it at the meetup, and um, Chris was uh, gracious enough to to bring the movie and and um, and talk about it. Uh, and I just I really loved it. Uh, the second one is the anthology that I like this a little bit more each time I see it. A Christmas horror story, and yeah. uh, that's that's the one with uh, William Shatner playing the DJ as the as I guess the wraparound, the one tying the stories together. But there are five different tales, all strong. I like all of the five of them. I the, the most. Insane one deals with um, Santa fighting off an army of uh, of zombie elves, uh, 
Uh, but there's but all of the stories in there are are really good. Uh, it's one of it's probably one of the best, um, if not the best, Christmas anthology films. Uh, definitely recent memory. And the third one is one I've not talked about on the show before, but it's Krampus, and mm. it is just such a fun unique film um and i was just talking about it with a co-worker uh, i had recommended it to her and and she watched it and she was um she said yeah you know really really enjoyed the film um but um no yeah so those are those are the three that if you're looking for sort of christmasy horror movies that, that i think are of are a good quality and all of these are post you know 2010 um all three of them i i really uh like those three uh quite a bit and they're, i'm gonna watch all three of them this year nice yeah, those have all made their way onto my annual watching. A Christmas Horror Story, maybe less than the others. But Better Watch Out was definitely on my recommendation list as well. I just think it's a phenomenal film. That's actually the film I reviewed on the Screaming Cinema podcast. Um, with regard to Krampus and A Christmas Horror Story, those are two films that I came in kind of low on my initial ratings. But there's something about them that did grow on me, and particularly Krampus where it's just a movie I feel like watching every year now. It, it's, you know, it's managed to stand out amongst the other Christmas horror films, and it's good enough, and it's Christmassy enough and horror enough that it's just the perfect combination for this time of year, in my opinion. So right. better watch out in Krampus, definitely on my list. Um, I'm also just, you know, for people who are less familiar with Christmas horror, I'm just going to reach back into the past a little bit and uh, say, make sure you watch Gremlins. If you haven't thought about it in a while, it's kind of a kid's movie. It's, it's a little monster creature feature, but it's excellent horror and Christmas movie. And I think everybody should check it out. Now I, right. I have a question for, well, first off, thank you both for taking uh, two of my movies, uh, better watch out in Gremlins. <laughs> so thank you for beating yeah. me to that. Uh, my Our question. Pleasure. That, that's, that's why I wanted to go first. Uh, of course, of course. <laughs> so, I do have a question about Krampus. I haven't seen it. I've always wanted to see it. Just had never gotten around to it. And my kids were really young when it came out. Cause it's what it was that a 2000 and what was it? Early teens, right? 2000. Yeah. Early teens. I think. Yeah. yeah. So my kids were still pretty young, but they're at an age now where I'm thinking, cause it's PG 13. Is it, is it an okay kid horror movie like gremlins is, or is it a little more intense? The one thing I'll say, and the only reason I haven't shown it to my kids yet, because they're still on the line of, belief in a higher Christmas power. Got it. And I'm not sure where they're at on that spectrum. And I don't want to be the reason that it's spoiled for them. So got it. Got it. Okay. That would be a reason to avoid Krampus until you're sure your kids yeah, are. Kind I of think my kids stage. are all past the point of like, tr they're, they're into symbolic belief because they still want to get that extra present. <laughs> yes, I think that's where my kids might secretly be, but they've not yeah. admitted yeah, that. To yeah, me yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 99 sure. So yeah, I'm not worried about that. I was just thinking I didn't know how intense it was because you know a movie we might be talking about later from uh, uh, you know that involves certain elvish type people that was listed as PG-13, and we know how that turned out. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they can handle it. They can handle the scares and there's not the same there. You know, the language isn't great, but, you know, they they utilize every swear word they can in a PG-13 film. But, you know, sure. Well, I just showed mm -hmm. the planes, trains and automobiles right before Thanksgiving. So <laughs> that, that ship is sailed. That ship is sailed. They know, you can hear it doesn't mean you got to say it, kids. All right. So, right. Uh, yes, yeah, so I better watch out where it was absolutely on my list. I love that movie. Fantastic. Uh, it, and not just because Chris Peck over the director is an awesome dude. It was a really great movie um gremlins 
Obviously, I remember seeing it when I was seven, eight years old, whenever it came out with my dad. Always loved it. Um, Dave, I think this will make you yep. happy. I say Tales from the Crypt, the and all through the house yes. segment from 1972. Oh, yes. So yeah. that's so strong. I mean, the whole yes. that is uh, my second favorite um, anthology film after Creepshow. I absolutely love Tales from the Crypt. And that's a great set with Joan Collins. Yes, Joan Collins. Yeah. And I even like the Robert Zemeckis directed uh, version for the TV show. I don't mm-hmm. think it's as strong. Um, it's got Larry Drake, Dr. Giggles as the, the psycho Santa and, yeah, okay. um, uh, 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 Mary Ellen trainer. Yes. Cause she was in lethal weapon and die hard and everything else right. that Joel Silver produced, right. uh, as, as the, as the wife that, uh, needs her comeuppance, but yeah, totally <sighs> worth a watch either of those, but it's certainly the 1972 anthology. Cause it's just fantastic. Yes, um, absolutely. Of course it, I'd be beyond remiss. It is me. We're talking about here. If I didn't mention the 74 black Christmas, a uh, duh mm. to quote peter uh yeah that's that's a no-brainer that movie <laughs> yep. is always worth the watch totally has a christmas vibe so so good all right well uh, with that said then maybe we should move on to our not so christmasy recommendations <laughs> we do have a lot of fun films to talk about i think this episode um but you know i will say we're kind of down to some of the dregs <laughs> <laughs> After having done this for eight years, if there are films you said, well, why didn't you guys mention Silent Night, Deadly Night? We did, but we've been doing Christmas horror shows for eight years now. So go back in the archive. You can find them on the sidebar at horrormoviepodcast.com. And yeah, we're we're down to some of some slim pickings, I will say. So we, we need some new Christmas horror movies to come out next year. But I, I actually am looking forward to talking about the ones we're going to talk about tonight. I will say, though, for next year. It's looking up because I don't think uh, HAP's done Ginger Dead Man yet, correct? No, no, no. <laughs> no. I used to do a segment called Destroy All Monsters where I talked about really bad monster movies. Sure. And I have Jack Frost and Ginger Dead Man listed in that section to talk about someday. <laughs> <laughs> someday. Before we get into our feature reviews, I was hoping we could talk about just what your Christmas holiday season is like this year, 2020. It's a weird year. You know, we've already done episodes about the pandemic and black lives matter. And, you know, it's been a a rough, weird post-apocalyptic feeling year. (laughs) How's your Christmas going? What's, what's going on with you guys? Well, I'll uh, go first this time. I'm in the process of moving during Christmas, which is always a wise call. That's uh, (laughs) actually I may have gotten a a blessing in disguise because uh, as you two know, as we record this, originally we were supposed to close this Friday and it looks like it's getting bumped by a week. So I just look because I told my wife, I was like, if they bump it, if they bump it, it's very simple. We're put because we hadn't put up our Christmas tree. Nothing. We usually put our Christmas tree up the day after Thanksgiving. We are those people. okay? and I didn't do it because I'm thinking, okay, well, we might be moving like a week and a half before Christmas. We'll just set up the new place, blah, blah. No. So as soon as I got word, I was like, I don't care. We're done. Got the tree out. Literally walked right in. As soon as she hung up the phone, I'm like, right in. I don't care. Got it. So (laughs) got it set up. Got everything set up. We've been watching a lot more Christmas movies and shorts than we got to last year. 
which was cool. Uh, we got we've gotten through all the standards: um, uh, the, the Grinch, uh, Charlie Brown, um, Frosty the Snowman, the Rankin and ba- Rankin Bass one, uh, Rudolph Rankin Rudolph, Bass. Yep. Of course, come on, Charlie Brown. I think it's really interesting, but Charles Schultz was hoping that would never be shown again because there really are a lot of mistakes in that. Yeah, there are. Like colors of shirts change and voices are different. Like I remember them saying, it usually takes months to put a good animated special together. Charlie Brown they had to put together in a few weeks, and Charles Schultz was horrified when he saw it he's like my god i hope that just dies and nobody ever sees it again wow. of course it's become one of the most beloved of the holiday mo- uh, holiday uh, specials that are put out um i also think the it's only- the best peanuts special that exists oh yeah there's no doubt and the only scene that's cut out that does not exist anymore is at the beginning when snoopy is swinging them around with the blanket and charlie brown goes flying into the tree and it comes out of charlie brown christmas right after that line is flew into a coca-cola sign because they were the sponsors the first time that it played and that's the only thing that's wow. been cut out of the special i believe yeah and i'll say it's funny you bring up all the things that charles schultz hated about it but i would argue that's that's totally the charm is the way the kids deliver oh, the lines yes. and the the, the crude animation and yeah I, I, that's what I love about it. Although I will I will I might be willing to go to the mat. I love the Christmas special, but uh, it's a great pumpkin. Charlie Brown maybe my favorite. Well, Sorry yeah. guys, I it's because of that special we learned about the importance of having a sincere pumpkin patch. So. <laughs> I, I still don't know what that means, by the way. What is a sincere pumpkin patch? Not but, a clue. I don't even think Linus knows. Of course, of course. And that's probably why he's never actually met the great pumpkin. Indeed, indeed. Well, I will yeah. say, though, that's really all we've been doing is basically preparing a move and watching specials. <laughs> I've, I've been doing the same thing, and I, I watched the Rudolph one, and that's where I was sitting there going, my God, someone's got a clock, Sam. He's a real <laughs> pig in the ass. <laughs> That's funny. I we haven't watched a ton of Christmas shows. We're kind of waiting for the kids to be done with school to really watch all the family movies together. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are watching the. Ki- I'm letting the kids watch a bunch of movies that I don't feel like watching with them, and then I can kind of catch some of it while I'm making dinner or whatever. So they watch Christmas Chronicles two, which I don't know if you saw the first one on Netflix. Not a good movie, but you know it's got Kurt Russell in it, directed by Chris Columbus. So it's kind of like worth watching barely yeah i think i don't know if people who don't have kids have seen a lot of the made for netflix kids movies they're atrocious but they're kind of like (laughs) somewhere in the range between the disney channel original movies and the nickelodeon movies i would say they're like right there in between those so (laughs) christmas chronicles too not terrible if you just want to see kurt russell have some fun as santa claus not a good movie though. Um, <laughs> then uh, I also we, I had my son watch Jingle All the Way because I knew he'd like it, but I knew no one else in the family would want to watch it. Ooh. So put that one on I, for him. He loved I saw it. That, I saw that in the theater, and that was big because you know fighting. It was all about like trying to fight for a specific toy. Yes. Um, and that was came out around the time of uh, Tickle Me Elmo. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Was, like an incredibly uh, like hard to get and. My kids were young at the time, and I couldn't get a Tickle Me Elmo. So you're saying you failed as a father? Is that what you're saying? I I I failed. <laughs> yes, this, this, this is the uh, confession portion of the show, yeah, yeah. The, the Christmas confessions. Yeah. I, I didn't get that, although I did was able to get at least two of the four Teletubbies. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Later, that's so. you know, that's a step up. That's a step up. I mean, as long as you're yeah. you know feeding their uh, mass consumption, then you're doing your job. <laughs> exactly. Of course. <laughs> I've been I've been trying to watch. 
as much Christmas horror as I can just to get ready for this show. But I've been obsessed with three movies lately. Two, one that I love, one that I kind of love, and one that I kind of hate, but I can't stop watching them. I've watched all three of them about three or four times each <laughs> wow. in the last month and a half. Um, they are The Hateful Eight I'm obsessed with. I, it's the first time I've had like a really recent movie where I'm like, I think this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like I, oh, yeah. I like considered bumping something off of my letterboxed top four because I was like, wow, The Hateful Eight really is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, yeah, and then Knives Out, which I, I do like, but it's not like it doesn't hit me exactly the way I want it to, but I can't stop watching it. I've watched it several times. And then The Wolf of Snow Hollow, which I reviewed on, I think, the last Frankensteinian episode. It doesn't quite work for me, but I bought it for $14.99, so I figured I'd get my money's worth, and I can't <laughs> stop watching that either. Nice. So that, that's, yeah, I, I haven't seen The Wolf of Snow Hollow, but a lot of people love it. A lot of people have really given it high ratings, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Everyone I know liked it but me. I'm the only person I know who hated it, but <laughs> I can't stop watching it. So that's that for it, at least. I mean, in fact, right. this this happened this week. So I don't know. I don't know how much I've actually talked about on the show, but I've been quarantined away from my family for two months. Um, my family's been in Washington, D.C., and I've been taking care of my grandmother in Utah. And when the kids got off of school for thanksgiving they came to utah and they're gonna be here with me from thanksgiving till christmas at least and so we're enjoying this time together and we decided to do something a little special so i got the uh national park permit and we went to the uinta national park to chop down a christmas tree griswold style <laughs> and uh <laughs> we went out marching through the forest and it was just like the griswolds my daughter's eyes froze it was perfect <laughs> <laughs> There's no squirrel in the tree, though, I hope. Not as far as I know. But it was one of those things where it didn't look that big on location. But when I got it back to my grandma's house, I always put her tree on the porch for like a day or two while we're like getting the house ready. And it wouldn't fit on the porch. And I was like, uh -oh. oh, boy. <laughs> and it was one of those things where my son, just like Rusty, he was like, they don't, they don't fit on the porch. I'm like, it's not going in our yard, Russ. It's going in our living room. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, it's awesome. It's huge. But um, yeah, it was a great experience. And anyway, sorry, when I was driving up to you into National Park to where, you know, where our permit was to cut down the Christmas tree, I passed the bar that they use in the wolf of snow hollow so that was kind of fun i wanted to go in there but covid so i didn't but yeah yeah nice just want to wish a happy holidays to all of our listeners out there we know it's a crazy tough year and so we hope you're hanging in there and you can still enjoy uh this holiday season and we hope we add to it just a little bit all right so with that let's go into our first feature review for the lodge 2020 so how would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas with Grace? She really wants to get to know you guys. You okay? I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up to it. Uh, I'm feeling fine. It was my idea and it took a couple days. I can do a couple days. Okay, guys, I'm off. Have fun. What is that? Christ. Everyone committed suicide except for her. Repent and you will find salvation. Guys! Things are very 
uncomfortable between us. And we're stuck in a house together. What is this? The power's out. Where are my things? It makes no sense. What? I heard something. So, Kagan covered this one on our Sundance preview back in 20... What was it? 2018? I think. Yeah, early, early 2018. Early, yeah, early, early 2019. Yeah. It was, early, early 2019. 2019 it was, yeah. Okay. And that was the very first episode that Joel took over hosting duties on the show, albeit not officially... That was when you first yeah. stood in for Jay on yeah. the show was that Sundance special. Yeah, I so, remember that, yep. Yeah, it's uh it's been a long time since then. <laughs> but uh yeah, J- uh, Kagan talked about it, gave a nice review. That was a fun episode to listen back to. I was trying to see what my rating was on it. Turns out I didn't even talk about it. I guess I went and watched it after we recorded that episode at Sundance. But man, yeah, this is a bleak film. Um it hit me hard when i saw it not particularly christmasy although it does take place at christmas uh this is directed by severin fiala and veronica franz they are the directors of good night mommy which i love that movie um this one from the imdb synopsis it says a soon-to-be stepmom is snowed in with her fiance's two children at a remote holiday village Just as relations begin to thaw between the trio, some strange and frightening events take place. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So what's happened is the children are having a hard time accepting their new stepmom, but they're put in a situation where the three of them have to be together in this isolated cabin um, away from their, the kid's father and the woman's fiance for a period of time they kind of get snowed in and some horrors ensue and uh, riley co is the star of the film her name is Gr- she's she plays grace and it also stars Jaden martell who is bill from the it films chapter one and chapter two as well as leah McHugh, who plays his little sister it's basically a three-hander it's just the three of them um are there three hands on the human body i think there are yes and uh, there are some other people in the movie as well, but those are the primary players. And it takes place in, in a very isolated, desolate winter environment. And man, is this a bleak movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it is. You know, one thing I really, really um, liked about it was um, how Riley Keough's uh, character is introduced. She's Elvis's granddaughter. You know, for anybody yeah. who's, who's interested. Uh, um, but what's really interesting is how her character is introduced because we see the buildup. We see why the kids don't, you know, the problems they have with her mm-hmm. and what happens to their family, you know, as a result of the father, um, you, you know, seeing this uh, Riley Keough's character. Um, we see that the the. the horrors that are that these kids have to deal with like the terrible situation that they have to deal with up front so we the viewer are as sort of put off by the character at first so she not only has to win over these two children she has to win over the audience and i loved how the 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 um the director set that up that that we're like sort of looking at riley keogh's character when she shows up with the dog initially you know she's got her little dog there and we're kind of like okay you know we're we're as um 
I guess, uh, put as uh, we're as much at odds with her character as the kids are. Because that's how the director set up the film. That's how the filmmaker set it up. And I really like that, that she has to win everybody over. You know, she, the father's already on her side. He's the only one. He's the only one supporting her because he even intends to marry her. And he mentions that as much, you know, to the kids. And the kids are like, no, we're never going to like her. She, she's the reason, you know, like a really horrible thing happens early on. And it, it's not a surprise. You get a sort of sense when the scene is playing out what's going to happen and that's Alicia Silverstone, you know, playing the mother uh, at the beginning of the movie. Yes. Um, and so I don't, I'm tiptoeing around it here because I don't want to give too much away. I don't want to spoil right. anything. But right. something happens with that character and you're kind of like, yeah, OK, we, we don't like her either. You know, based right. on what we've seen, we don't like her either. She's got to win everybody over. And I like that they set it up. And the fact that Riley Keough's character comes in and, and does sort of do that um, to the point that we find our allegiances shifting as the movie's playing out. And then something just very strange happens. And you're kind of like, wow, what is going on here? Um, and there's something with a dollhouse. Now, I know that that was maybe sort of borrowed. I don't know if it was borrowed from Hereditary. Or if it was just something that um, they sort of incorporated into this movie, I'd be surprised um, if it was borrowed from Hereditary, just simply due to the production timelines of the films, and, and also yeah, just, they're very close. They're very close together, absolutely. Yeah. And these are very. This is a very. Um, these are very creative filmmakers, the people who made this movie. So I don't. Right. I don't think they would take that from another. And, movie. and then once you realize what is going on with this dollhouse towards the end of the movie, you're kind of like, whoa! Yeah. At least I was. You know, I was very impressed with uh, with this film, and it does. It's very bleak. It's definitely bleak. Um, Riley Keough's character has a history from from her childhood of being part of a cult. And that's what these kids are sort of dealing with. They're dealing with the fact that their father has, that their family has split up because of this person. And that this person was um, associated with a cult, uh, you know, through uh, the early portions of her life. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it becomes, it just, it sort of hangs uh, over the rest of the movie. I would hesitate to say that I like this movie. It's a very <laughs> hard, difficult viewing experience, but it's well made for sure. I did not enjoy it as much as I enjoyed Goodnight Mommy. I really love that movie. Um, Riley Coe is an actress who I wasn't super familiar with, although I've seen her in a lot of stuff. She stuck out to me most in this film compared to anything I'd seen her in previously. She's in three great horror slash horror adjacent films in the last couple of years that I think are really disturbing, good dramatic thrillers. I'd recommend to people um, the house, that Jack built under the silver Lake and it comes at night. She's really good in all three of those. Yeah. I'd recommend those to everyone. Also, I think Dixieland is an interesting film, not a horror movie, but I think it's an interesting movie that yeah. I saw her. And, in she, and she played, she played one of the wives in uh, mad max fury road. Right, well. right, right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, she's so good in this. She's really the thing I like most about this. I do think there's a plot turn in this film that I think strains credulity. And I don't I don't know if I was completely with it after that point, but it's it's definitely um, an impressive movie. Yeah, I, I, I actually like this movie quite a bit. Uh, I will agree with you. It is bleak. Um it yeah. is, uh, it's a slow burn for sure. So if you're somebody who doesn't, <laughs> yeah, doesn't love you, love you a slow burn. I don't know, uh, if no, I would, it's a, 
it is a slow burn, but I I, I thought that the um as it built that it, it at least earned that. You know, some slow burns don't quite like Hagazusa that I mentioned a few years ago. That was a slow burn that just never really went anywhere for me sure. as it as it as it went on. But this one does. Um, and I know the twist you're talking about, Josh. For me, watching it for the first time. I kind of was on board with it and I, I bought it. Um, I can see this creeping onto my top 10 for the year uh, at this point. I really can. Yeah, it's it's for me, it's teetering. It would definitely be an honorable mention if it's not top 10 for me. Um, but then again, as we've established this year, <laughs> the, the yeah. pickings may be such that, hey, yeah, it's my I, number three. And I'm saying that yeah. with, with, with also a caveat that I have a lot more movies, uh, a lot more 2020 movies that I sure. still have to watch. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think if this makes it on my top 10, I wouldn't be shocked because it is a high quality film. But I will say, like, if this was last year, the year before, it definitely wouldn't have made my top 10. But I think it's just due to the year we're in, it, it has a chance. Yeah. Yeah, it's it mm. I would say as a as a movie as a work of art it is just beautifully shot. It was, you know, really well made. The acting is fantastic. Um I was super happy to see Alicia Silverstone. Um I thought she was uh, really strong in this as well even yep. though I know her part's small I agree. but they're very small, but very, uh, yeah. very effective. Yeah, it was really great. So it, it, yeah, it's definitely bleak. I'd say, you know, and if you feel like this is a spoiler, Josh, definitely take it out. But I would say the ending is probably on uh, just this side of seven <laughs> with how, you know, dark and sort of the implications of it. Uh, are. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a really good, effective, dark, disturbing thriller that uh you know I, I again i think it most it almost more of the acting now in my defense i haven't seen this thing in over like six months so i'm trying to like just pull everything you know from from deep in the uh the brain pan here but yeah i do know i liked it quite a bit um if you guys are ready to do ratings or recommendations then uh, for me it's an eight and i would absolutely say see it at least once i could totally understand why you might not want to see it more than that uh but it's it's definitely worth seeing yeah, I mean, well, I saw this almost two years ago, so <laughs> uh, I'm also stretching a bit with my rating and, and remembering it. I just remember it was very unpleasant, and I didn't totally buy the twist, but I, I looking back in my letterbox, I did give this an 8 out of 10 back then, and I was about to say 7 to 7.5 this time, so I feel good about a 7.5 out of 10. I think it's a high-quality movie again, as I said. So I think if you don't mind something just kind of dark and slow and nihilistic, um, you could you could definitely enjoy your viewing experience here. You know what? I'm nine out of ten, and I, I thinking it might even go to a nine point five on a repeat viewing. I really was um, drawn into it, and it's very bleak. There's no doubt about it. But I can see this, um, like I said, being in my top ten and. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to possibly seeing it again before uh, hmm. before putting my list together. Well, I guess I better watch it again now that you say that, Dave. So <laughs> stay tuned. My rating may change, but um, right. I'll watch it one more time before the end of the year. All right. All right. So that is our feature review for The Lodge. And now we are going to go into our Shutter-sponsored Screaming Online segment, a feature review of Deadly Games 19. 19- 
welcome to the holiday edition of our Shudder-sponsored Screaming Online segment. As the world's premier streaming service for horror, thriller, and supernatural content, Shudder isn't just spooky around the holidays. That's 24-7, 365. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment on the internet. That's why people call it the Netflix for horror. You can stream spine-tingling thrillers, shocking horrors, and edge-of-your-seat suspense films for just $5.99 a month or $56.99 per year. Everybody who tries Shudder gets a free 7-day trial, but you can extend that 7-day free trial to a 30-day free trial by using our promo code HMP just for our listeners. You'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, be they Apple devices, Android devices, Xbox, Amazon Fire, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. And Shudder's great. They've got new films and old films, a unique collection of exclusive and original series horror classics, and blockbuster hits. Now, Joel promised you a feature review from me, but you're not getting it because as I watched the film, I realized uh, this is not a film anybody wants to hear me talk about. If anybody, Joel's the guy that needs to be talking about this film. That is originally entitled 3615 Code Père Noel, better known to me as Dial Code Santa Claus, also known as Game Over, Hide and Freak, and on Shudder, Deadly Games. This is a 1989 horror action film. It's a home invasion, Home Alone, came out the same year, actually, as Home Alone, and the second best-looking Santa Claus of 1989 after Dan Haggerty. But we need to save that one for a Joel review, so I'm just going to tell you about some of the great holiday offerings that Shudder has uh, for Christmas and beyond. So, of course, they do have Deadly Games. They've got Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, a terrible but unique cult classic. They've got legitimate Christmas classics like Black Christmas 1978 and Rare Exports of Christmas Tale. Dave was talking about his love for a Christmas horror story. They've got that as well. As well as two last drive-in specials from Joe Bob Briggs, Joe Bob Saves Christmas, and Joe Bob's Red Christmas. And speaking of Red Christmas, they've got that too. The controversial film that I originally panned on HMP and then later kind of fell in love with due to the documentary about the film. We talked about those last year on the show if you want to catch up with that conversation. It was a good time. But anyway, check out Red Christmas, as well as another film that was controversial when we spoke about it on the show, Christmas Evil. One of my personal favorites that everyone else hated. Also for the Christmas holiday season, as I mentioned, there's Joe Bob Saves Christmas. Make sure you check that out. And new to Shudder, an original holiday special from Greg Nicotero. It is the Creep Show holiday special, which is Wolfman-themed in nature. Uh, the short synopsis is Robert Weston has reason to believe he might be a werewolf, but when he goes to Shapeshifter's anonymous support group, he learns there's something far more sinister than his curse to worry about. And there are some other new to Shudder exclusives that we're going to be talking about on our very next episode, including The Pale Door, A Good Woman is Hard to Find, Zombie Child, and the films produced by the previous incarnation of Fangoria that were kind of dropped when these new people swooped in to save it. Those films that I'm really glad to see didn't completely disappear off the map got moved over here to Shudder. We'd recommend checking them out. I know VFW is one of Dave and Joel's favorite films of the year, and Porno is one that I talked about, uh, both in my feature review as well as during our Metahors of the Silver Screen discussion. It's kind of a modern popcorn. There's also just fun stuff to pass the time, like Season 2 of Eli Ross' History of Horror, 
and the first season of Jade Shield's Cursed Films. Check those out if you haven't yet. They are good holiday binging material. And lastly, Shudder has shared some of their best of 2020. We've got the most watched new movies. The top five there are number five, The Shed, number four, The Cleansing Hour, number three, Porno, number two, Spiral, and number one, The Mortuary Collection. Their most watched series were number five, The Deadlands, number four, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs, number three, Channel Zero, The Dream Door, number two, Cursed Films, and number one, Creepshow. Their best-reviewed new movies were number five, The Mortuary Collection, number four, La Lorna, number three, Anything for Jackson, number two, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, the documentary, it's good, and Host, one that Joel's over the moon about. So if you want to get us something for Christmas, you can get something for yourself as well. You can get a free 30-day trial of Shudder. It helps our show at no cost to you. No strings attached. It's worth checking out. So get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content on the web. To try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use the promo code HMP. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and the promo code HMP is in Horror Movie Podcast. Tell them we sent you. All right, so now we're going to do some micro reviews uh, for some Christmas horror movies that we haven't really covered yet on HMP. So uh, we're going to start it off with Santa Claus versus the Devil from 1959. Yeah, most places this is just listed as Santa Claus or Santa Claus even 1960 in some places. But it is Santa Claus versus the Devil. It is a Mexican film, and it's just as it sounds. And, <laughs> well, I shouldn't say it's just as it sounds, because let me read from the IMDb synopsis. With the aid of Merlin, Santa Claus must defeat the evil machinations of the Devil Pitch to ruin Christmas. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so just as it sounds. <laughs> yeah, you know, with the help of Merlin. Sure. Um, look, this is kind of like it's a small world meets Catholicism meets santa claus so if that sounds like fun to you <laughs> it's just a weird little oddity and it was streaming uh for free on uh dove channel on amazon prime as well as on tubi tv so i just decided i'd watch it for fun my kids kind of liked it it's terrible <laughs> moving on <laughs> <laughs> moving on all right so then next up a title that's just fun to say which is whoever slew Auntie Rue from 1971. 19, I have 1972 here on IMDb, but it doesn't matter. Um, this one, I'm just going to read uh, real quick on IMDb. Uh, a demented widow uh, lures unsuspecting... Ch oh, never mind, this IMDb sucks. Uh, <laughs> in this movie, uh, Shelley Winters uh, plays Mrs. Forrest. Uh, Mrs. Forrest is a woman. Um, she has a very nice house. She's American, but she's living in England. She has a beautiful house. Uh, a tragedy happened um, in her life earlier where she lost her daughter. And she uh, now has a, uh, a medium come in pretty much every night, played by Ralph Richardson, to try to reach her daughter's spirit. Uh, to try to um, explain, you know, try to just try to connect to her because she's just uh, she's been destroyed by this. You know, that she longs for her daughter's return, you know. Um, and there's a scene where we find out she's even kept the daughter's corpse around. Uh, but on top of that, Mrs. Forrest is respected around the town. And every year she hosts a Christmas party for the orphanage. And um, the uh, 
woman in charge of the orphanage picks a certain number of children, 10 children every year get to go to Mrs. Forrest's house for the Christmas holiday, uh, Christmas Eve into Christmas morning and, and so forth, have Christmas dinner there. Well, there are two, uh, a brother and sister who aren't talking uh, for some reason. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm looking at IMDb and it doesn't really, I think it, it uh, I can't see which uh, these characters were. Uh, but these two young children, uh, they weren't picked to go to Mrs. Forrest, but they sneak into the car that carries everyone else there and they end up crashing the party, so to speak. Well, uh, Shelley Winter's character, Mrs. Forrest, connects to the young go- girl. It's a, it's a, it's an, uh, a boy and a girl, a b- brother and his younger sister, uh, who sneak into the party, and she connects to the young girl, in the, the sort of picturing her as her own daughter. And things happen, you know, when it's time for the kids to go back, the young daughters uh, suddenly disappear. So things, things are. I don't want to go too deep into the story, um, you know, for for spoiler reasons. But I will say one of the interesting things about this movie is it changes back and forth from who's a villain to who's the sympathetic character, even including the children. Right at the very end, you're kind of like, geez, what, you know, you, you don't know who was, who's in the wrong, who's, you know, everybody, every, all the characters do something a little bit strange. Um, even Shelley Winters kind of really good performance by Shelley Winters. I, re- I think she's uh, an actress, doesn't really get the credit she deserves. Everyone told, you know, Poseidon Adventure and... Um, what was that? Night of the Hunter. She's a really good actress. Even Lolita with uh, Stanley Cooper's Lolita. She's a good actress. She's good in this movie as well. She really is. She's great as the lead in this one. And you don't, you just don't know how to take her because she's a very friendly, very, you know, very kindly older woman who's you get think is being taken advantage of by this medium and some of her servants who are not uh, on the up and up. But at the same time, um, she does something about, you know, maybe two thirds of the way through the film. You're like, geez, you know, that's that's kind of awful. But then things turn back around on her um, and you start to realize why they titled the movie Whoever Slew Auntie Rue, because basically Shelley Winters plays Auntie Rue, you know, from Mrs. Forrest. Um, I do like this movie. It's not a first time watch. I had seen it before, but I, I watched it again and um, I, I thought it was good. It's directed by Curtis Harrington. Um, and, uh, I'd give it probably a seven out of 10 and I'd say it's, uh, it's worth, uh, uh, renting. Definitely worth checking out. All right. So next up we have home for the holidays from 1972 and uh, Wolfman, if you would permit me to read from the tear on the tube synopsis, because we covered yes. this on tear on the tube back yeah. in uh, 2019, I think, I think it was. Yep, October 2019. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to give Peter full credit because he's the one that usually puts these posts together. Uh, Originally was released as an ABC movie of the week on Tuesday, November 28th, 1972. In case you were wondering, Uh, it stars Sally Field, Eleanor Parker, Jessica Walter and Julie Harris. And the synopsis is you're invited to a fun filled December evening at the Morgan Family Ranch. The roads have been washed out, so you can't leave. You can't call for help. The phone is dead, and a very special guest is about to put in a surprise visit. But it isn't Santa Claus. It's a pitchfork-wielding psychopath who's home for the holidays. Yes. (laughs) Side note, Peter, if you came up with that from scratch, dude, that's awesome. (laughs) Credit where credit's due, because that's pretty great. 
I did listen to Terror on the Tube just this morning um, because as I finished this movie, I thought, wait a minute. I remember them talking about Sally Field. And so I go back and I look it up, and sure enough, you guys had covered this. I think it was episode four, maybe, that you talked about it. Uh, it was really early on. And just so you know, hey, Wolfman, just so you know, the uh, the sound is crapping out a little bit. I can hear you, but it doesn't sound as clear as it was early. I don't know if hmm. you can... It's weird. It should be better than it was. You just, uh, it's just like every once in a while, it does. It robots. I just as long as you're okay with the fact that it's not going to be. It's going to be what it's going to be. So, uh, all right. Is it been bad this whole episode? No, no, not at all. Okay, sorry. Well, I guess we'll see what it is. So I did listen to Tear on the Tube just this morning. I finished watching this movie about two a.m. and I should have gone to sleep. <laughs> But I decided now I'm going to stay up and listen to Terry on the tube and hear Peter and Joel and Allison talk about this. No, Allison. What a disappointment. Yes. She, uh, she came in a little <laughs> bit later, a few episodes later. But yeah, uh, it was fun to listen to you guys. Here comes the controversy. I could not disagree with you more on your take on this film. Do you remember what your take was on this film? You know, it's hilarious. I was actually going to ask you if you would help me out and remind me. <laughs> what I, I, rem- I remember I liked it. I think I liked it. <laughs> But I don't I seem to remember being a little disappointed that it wasn't as slashery as I thought it was going to be. Maybe is that a wrong remembering of what I said? <laughs> no, that's generally right. You did not see this as what I clearly saw this as. This is a proto slasher it, for it is. sure. It is. It is a proto slasher. But I guess it just I guess I was expecting a little bit more in that department. And maybe yeah. that, yeah, but I, I agree with you. It is a proto slasher for sure. Yeah. I mean, to me, this film was clearly a proto slasher and I, you know, I feel like you guys were really pushing hard that this was more of a soap opera. It was more of, you know, even a Gothic romance. I think you said, and now I will say the director, he was a television director, John Lewin Moxie. He was prolific in television. He directed Mannix, Mission Impossible, the Avengers, he directed two of my favorites, Magnum P.I. and Murder, She Wrote. And Murder, She Wrote is a great example. I mean, this to me feels like a Murder, She Wrote episode. Yeah. So I would say rather than soap opera, to me, this feels like Murder, She Wrote. Now, there are some straight up slasher kills at about 30 minutes in. And I feel like it's a slasher essentially from there on out. And it's a mystery the entire time. I feel like this feels closer to Friday the 13th than it does to dark shadows which you guys were comparing it to so i mean you know it's a mystery the entire time even before it is um a slasher for that first 30 minutes they're still talking about you know my wife's trying to kill me and did she kill before and did your mother really commit suicide or did your father drive her to kill herself and i feel like there's a lot of horror elements throughout this entire thing you know this director i should also note he directed um another great made for television horror film called the house that wouldn't die yes and he directed the night stalker movie which is a movie i love so that's awesome yeah i have to give him huge credit for that and we can't forget that the writer for this film also was the writer on Alfred Hitchcock psycho. Yep. So it's got a great lineage and that's only talking about behind the camera in front of the camera. It's incredible. It's, it's really impressive as well. I mean, we've got, um, Sally field in one of her first film roles and maybe her first, I don't know. One one of them. Yeah. One of the, her earliest. 
Yeah, it's it's her only horror role as far as I'm aware. And she's really good in it, I think. Um, Jessica Walter, who people probably know now best for uh, playing the mom on Arrested Development. Yep, yep. <laughs> but but I love her from Play Misty for Me. I know Joel is not a, as big a fan. Uh, got, that movie. <laughs> you got Joel Haworth and uh, Julie Harris and Eleanor Parker. Yeah. And it's just a great cast as well. Now, the, the actor who plays the dad, Walter Brennan, and maybe Dave can speak to this better than me, but I believe he's the only actor to ever win three consecutive oscars for acting so it's got a pretty good pedigree so uh, but yeah is it perfect no but you know as far as proto slashers go i think it's significant and the craziest thing about it is it beats black christmas as being yep. the first christmas slasher that's true that's valid yes i need to go back and revisit it because i was fairly early on in the terror on the tube days and I actually think, I wonder if it's the, it may have been the first one we did, because we did our very first tear on the tube and we went later like almost 18 months before we'd actually, oh, the house, they would not die. We also, we also covered that one as well. That was our second. Right. Yeah. Home for the holidays was our fourth one. And you were correct on that point. And I think shortly thereafter is when Allison joined us. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. I just don't, like after you just, everything you just described made me go, yeah, this movie's awesome. But yet for some reason, I obviously had a stick up my butt and I was... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I could see if you were really going into it based on the poster art because the, the yeah, VHS it, yeah, case, it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. Poster is amazing. It looks like you're going to get the prowler yep. and it's not the prowler. Not at all. You know, it's, it's made for TV. The kills are really poorly done in terms of like, there's a pitch short kill is the first kind of slash and it's so poorly shot. Um, the second one, though, I think is really cool. It's a drowning in a bathtub, and I think they pulled it off really well. And, uh, yeah, there, there are just some cool moments in it now. Yeah, and it's also it's made for television in 1972, so, of course, it's not really pushing the slasher boundaries. So I can see why it would be disappointing. I really can. But I do think it is a significant proto-slasher. I think it needs to be in the conversation. You know, you were mentioning people gave you crap for not mentioning Bay of Blood in the past. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you forget to mention that as a proto slasher, um, you know, Black Christmas, I think, does sometimes get overlooked. And um, I think this is one that we have to sure. include in the conversation. Sure. Yeah, it definitely has that vibe. You actually mentioned that it reminded you of a giallo, and I think that's right on. And yeah. when, when you said that, I was like, okay, yeah, they trade in the black leather gloves for red rubber gloves, <laughs> uh, dishwashing <laughs> gloves, in fact. But uh, I don't know. I think this was a really fun movie. And uh, I think if you like that kind of mystery element of Friday the 13th and you're not too bummed out, you know, understanding the context of this film, that it was you know, a made-for-TV movie, you're not going to get the kills you want out of it. It's a cool little piece of cinema history, and I love the performances in this movie. I, I think this could be remade, and you could add a lot to it narratively. I don't think the screenplay, as much as I, you know, I mentioned the, the pedigree of the screenwriter, I don't think this is a great screenplay, but I think this would be an excellent horror remake. I would love to see this movie remade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, Walter Brennan did win three uh, supporting actor uh, Oscars, um, but not in, successively. He was the year apart from each one. He won in uh, 1937, 39, and 41. Okay. Uh, but it's impressive. He was nominated four times and he won three Oscars. And it's not even for uh, Rio Bravo or Sergeant York, which I assumed might have been <laughs> yeah. who he was nominated for, but he was not. it was not those films. So, um yeah, so that yeah, he's a three-time Oscar winner. 
Yeah, he was in great movies. Red River. I mean, he's a significant Red River, actor. Uh, To Have and Have Not. Yeah, Rio yeah. Bravo. He's been in some great ones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not f- fantastic here. I, I would say that, um, you know, the three real standouts are Sally Field, yeah. uh, the older sister played by, um, well, I really like Jessica Walter in this actually as well. She was but good Eleanor, too. Eleanor Parker, I think, was a standout. Julie Harris was a standout. And Sally Field was a standout. Yes. And I liked I like Jessica Walter as well. So yeah. yeah, I mean, good cast, good female cast, interesting themes it's drawing on, fun little mystery. They could have made the mystery better. That's another thing. And I think you mentioned this in Terror on the Tube. If you've seen a horror movie before, <laughs> you know what's gonna happen in this movie. Yeah. But Again, considering that this is before Black sure. Christmas. No, that's fair. And, and I make that yeah. argument all the time with Black Christmas where people say if, if someone sees it and then says, yeah, but it's got all, you always got all the tropes. And it's like, it, dude, it helped create the trope. You got to recognize that. And so, yeah, no, you, and you're not wrong. In fact, everything you said is 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 so uh, spot on that I have to revisit this because I, I, yeah. I feel like it's been long enough that i remember enough that i liked it but everything you're saying i'm thinking why yeah why wouldn't i have liked it more that really makes no sense (laughs) it's also it's even got the tour of the dead where the character who's innocent stumbles upon the dead bodies and sees the gore left behind by the killer it's uh it it really does seem to fit a lot of what we would think a slasher uh would be now christmas wise i I think on one hand they do a really good job with opening up with this Christmas tree and some of those visuals are always present and it has this fam familial aspect that you get in a lot of Christmas movies where people don't really want to come home. There's some sort of family drama that is uh, causing some tension in the, in the home life, but there's a rainstorm throughout 99% yes. of the movie. And I don't see why you wouldn't just make that a snowstorm. Like everything that the rainstorm accomplishes I feel like the snowstorm could have done just as well, and it would have felt so much more Christmassy. Yeah, probably called budget. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, I, yeah. You know, thank you, actually, Wolfman, for 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 going to bat for a movie that we covered uh, so long ago on Terror on the Tube because uh, I really feel like I should revisit that one. And I didn't watch this one with my kids, so I think I'd probably re- rewatch it with my kids because they've watched almost all of the uh, Terror on the Tubes with me, which is one of the things that's made it really fun to do. So, uh, yeah, that's excellent. All right, so next up we have Night Train Murders from 1975. Yeah, The Night Train Murders and was originally called, at least in English, Last Stop on the Night Train. And if that sounds somewhat familiar to another horror title, it's because this is a direct ripoff of Last House on the Left. (laughs) And this is essentially Last House on the Left plus (laughs) European trains plus Christmas. Wow. And that sounds like exactly my cup of tea. And frankly, I think this is my favorite telling of the last house on the left story, Hmm. even more than Bergman's, you know, the Virgin spring. Oh, wow. But yeah, I mean, I just love what they do with this material, but you know, as Joel often talks about with these rape revenge films, it's still what's at the heart of it is so troubling that, uh, it just makes it hard to enjoy, I guess, you know, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, this is essentially just a a direct remake of Last House on the Left, and it was in 1975, so right after that movie, 
And uh, I don't think it's necessarily pretending to be anything more, but it's got some interesting direction, weird Italian music, interesting characters. And I liked the scenario a lot more than Lost House on the Left or Virgin Spring. So, yeah, this is uh, if you can handle the rape revenge films, this is one to check out. I give this one a probably seven out of ten. And it's hard for me to recommend because of the rape element, but um, I would say it's a rental if you can handle that kind of so content. So I guess the question is, is that particular element gratuitous in a I spit in your grave sort of way, or is it... It's very disturbing. Okay. Um, there's... A, I'm just going to say it because I don't want anyone to watch this and be disturbed like needlessly. There's a knife inserted into a vagina. Oh and my God. Yeah, that's it's rough, rough. Dude. That's rough. That's okay. And there are bodies thrown from a train, which looks awesome and crazy and scary. and makes me never want to go on a train, <laughs> but is really well done in the movie, like super effective in the movie. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's rough material, but okay. you know, and just as with a lot of those films, it is kind of just that one section of the film, but it is brutal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, the night train murders, the late night trains last stop on the night train. Um, that's this movie in 1975. So mo- moving up from night train murders, a movie that sounds definitely like more my cup of tea that I wanted to try to watch before this episode. So Wolfman, I'm really looking forward to your take on it. Uh, but directed by the great Anthony Perkins, lucky stiff from 1988. Now, I don't know if this lives up to uh, Anthony Perkins' legacy necessarily, (laughs) but it's a fun, strange little movie. Joel, I think you would love this movie. I have a feeling you're right. Everyone I know, when I saw this movie, it's a ridiculous (laughs) comedy first with weird cannibal horror elements. It stars Donna Dixon, who is uh, Dan Aykroyd's wife and uh, a former Playboy playmate. And you can see her in films like Spies Like Us. Joe Alasky, who is best known as a voice actor for Looney Tunes. And you get a lot of that coming through in his performance, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's just a weird, fun movie. It's about, you know, this is according to IMDb. A plump loser, after being left at the altar by his fiance, is invited to Christmas dinner by a beautiful woman, but her family are cannibals who intend to have him as the main course. <laughs> and if that sounds like fun to you, it, it is very cheesy, very 80s, um, definitely comedy first, and goofy like Naked Gun style comedy. <laughs> But there are definitely some horror elements, some kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, cannibal family moments. Uh, Yeah, I think this is a fun, underserved gem and uh, one people should check out if they can find. Again, I think this is out of print. I found it on YouTube. Um, I think I found a DVD available for it on eBay, but um, I don't know that it's ever actually been released on DVD. I think that was just a bootleg options only or if you're lucky enough stiff to track down an old vhs it was released by rca columbia pictures but um i would give lucky stiff a let's see probably like a four out of (laughs) ten but it, it was very enjoyable and if you like comedy horror 
and especially cheesy 80s comedy horror, I would call it a high priority rental. For anyone else, you're going to want to avoid it. It's You're not going to enjoy it if you don't like cheesy 80s comedy. It's funny you say that the comedy style now makes total sense. The writer is Pat Proft. Pat Proft does ring a bell. Yes, he wrote Hot Shots. Hot Shots Part Deux, Real Genius. Oh, there you um, go. At least the original yeah, Police Academy. So I, don't know the, I don't think he did any of the sequels. Real Genius and Hot Shots. I mean, those are like two airplane style comedies. Yes, very, yeah. very much so. Uh, a, a very underseen uh, movie with John Turturro called Brain Donors from the early 90s, he wrote. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it, yeah, so that makes total sense. Now, this is funny because that movie, The Box for Lucky Stiff, I remember seeing that a lot as a kid and it was always in the comedy section and I always assumed based on it because if you look at it it's this beautiful brunette you could tell she's it's like kind of like over the shoulder but you see her size she's obviously not wearing a top presumably and she's holding something that looks like a bow tie I thought based on the title the look of her and this bow tie which I now see is it appears to be on a fork I always thought it was a movie like Blame It on Rio or Hard Bodies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I thought it was that kind of movie. Right. I, I never thought it was what you described at all. Not even close. I never bothered with it. I was like, ah, this is one of those stupid like sex comedies from the 80s. Eh. Some of them are funny and have their moments, but that's not as much my cup of tea. But now that I know what it is, I am down for it. Now, IMDb lists it as PG. Is this an actual PG or is this another I'm being lied to? Um, yeah, it's it's okay as a PG, I would say. This is a bad movie, but it is weirdly, wildly entertaining, and I recommend it to people like Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Enough said. If you can sit through munchies, then you can definitely sit through lucky stuff. Oh, okay, good. I'm there. Excellent. At least I know what I'm getting into. That's great. Yeah. I never would have even heard of this film, but it was on some random IMDb user's Christmas horror movie list. So thank you to that person. I owe you one. Awesome. The Christmassy nature of this film is pretty low, although there is a family who's planning on having a big Christmas dinner. <laughs> um, there's one little section of the film where they're at like an alpine ski resort. That part is great, and I wish there was more of that in the film. I think they did a great job with that element. So it's not super Christmassy, but it's in there. All right, so next up, we have While She Was Out from 2008. Okay, while she was out now this one caught my attention i really love the poster that they have on letterbox it looks cool it's a female empowerment survival horror film directed by a woman i thought that could be interesting um it's got kim basinger in it who i'm a huge fan of and it's got lucas Haas in it who i think is interesting and craig schaefer was also listed amongst the cast so i was like oh, okay this rare unseen gems that uh, might be a lot better than it got credit for at the time. Nope. It's not good. It's really bad. Um, this is a movie essentially about a Karen who fights back and wins. So if you are a Karen or, you know, a Karen, this is the movie for you. This, and if you are not a Karen and don't like Karen's, you're going to hate everything about this character. This is a lady who we're supposed to feel super bad for her because they spell her name wrong on her Starbucks cup. I mean, those are, look, she's got some <laughs> more serious problems in her life. She's got a husband who's clearly abusive. He sucks. And, uh, you know, she's, she's regretting her marriage to him, but most of the things that she suffers in this film are just like the most annoying. She's mad that someone double parks. So she writes them a nasty little note and leaves it on their windshield. And then they want 
uh, to make her pay for her rudeness. You know, that's essentially what's happening in this movie. Um, this is the IMDb synopsis. A woman out late for Christmas Eve shopping is soon terrorized by a small group of troublemakers and she must fight for her life. Um, it feels Christmassy for about a minute at the beginning and it feels Christmassy when they're at the mall and it doesn't feel Christmassy for 99% of the movie. And then maybe there's a little bit more Christmassy at the end. None of the movies that I reviewed this year, it snowed. I feel like it's all rain. And <laughs> while I get while that, why that is maybe depressing and that could be a good thing for a Christmas horror movie. It's just lacks to me, a fundamental characteristic of a good Christmas winter film. I want, I want that snow. So um, I just thought this was so poorly written. Um, it's so cheesy and on the nose and just offensive in terms of what it thinks the audience can understand. Um, it's pretty racist weirdly in, in a few different ways. It's not trying to be, it's trying to be the opposite of racist, but it's, it's bad. Uh, it's, it's very inclusive in the terms of its murderous gang members. <laughs> I have to put it that way. Um, and still, it doesn't avoid any uh, like racist tropes and stereotypes. So it's it's just bad. Kim Basinger, look, I love her in The Door and the Floor. I like her in Batman. I love her in LA Confidential. This is not one of her high points of her career. So um, Lucas Haas, I like as well in Brick, you know, but he, and I like him in Witness. And mm-hmm. uh, was it um, My Blue Heaven? Is that the movie he's in? With it might be. I, I think wasn't he also in um, uh, uh, the Lady in White? I think he might yes. have been. Yes, that's yep, exactly right. Lady in yep. White. He's in Inception. I love him, but this is not his best performance either. It's just a terrible script, and it's not very well directed. And I, I loathed it. <laughs> so um, I gave <laughs> While She Was Out one star, and I would call it an avoid. I, do you do that on Letterboxd? I pretty. I think I saw your review of this on Letterboxd. Um, I did post it on Letterboxd. I didn't write a review, though. I just gave it the one oh, star. Oh, okay. I, I think I saw the one star on Letterboxd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. Okay, and getting close to the bottom of the list, we have A Cadaver Christmas from 2011. All right, Cadaver Christmas. Uh, this is from... Hold on one second. It's from 2011. It's a comedy horror. It takes place basically at a, at a, uh, a university, I, I guess it is. And um, a janitor one night while working is attacked by cadavers from uh, the from the lab. Um, and they look like zombies, but the janitor continues to insist that they're cadavers. It's one of the uh, the, the points of the movie. Uh, he runs. He ends up at a bar. The bartender, one of the drunks there, and a policeman, uh, they all join forces. They go back to the university to see what's going on, and they end up finding out that, yes, there is something very strange. The dead have come to life. I avoided this film. I have this on DVD, and I avoided this film for years. It just sort of struck me as one that, eh, I don't know if I'm really going (laughs) to enjoy a cadaver Christmas. I don't know if it's one. And I kind of regret not watching it earlier because it's mm. not a bad film. It's it's an entertaining, low-budget horror comedy is, is the way I look at it. Yes, the acting yeah. isn't always the strongest. Although I did like um, Daniel uh, Reardon Hale played uh, the janitor. 
I thought he did a good job. And uh, uh, was it Tosh uh, Hayashi mm. uh, played uh, the sheriff? I thought he did a, a good job as well. You know, it's got a lot of this this sort of traps that low budget films fall into. Yeah. However, I liked the execution of it. it. It was better than I was expecting, and I, I kind of regret not having gotten back to this, not watched this earlier. It's a uh, zombie comedy, whether you call them cadavers or zombies. The genre <laughs> just on calling them cadavers, but um, yeah, I'd say a six point five out of ten, and I think it's a, a, a not a high priority rental, but I think it's something that um, is worth seeing at least uh, at some point during the holiday season. I've tried to review this a few times. It's come up on the show like three or four times when we've talked about either <laughs> zombies or Christmas movies, and I never really gave it its full due. Either we were pressed for time or nobody else ended up seeing right. it or whatever the situation, but I did mention it on our Christmas horror episode in 2018 very briefly, and I also see that it's listed in our kind of list of movies on our zombie comedy episode number 186, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure I've ever really reviewed it either. And I also don't remember it now well enough to really give it a review. But my main takeaway is kind of what you were saying, Dave, where it looked like it was going to be really low budget and it was. Yeah, and it, yeah. But it was still more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. I mean, it was just... Uh, it was a fun movie, as I that's, recall. That's that's exactly the way I look at it too. It was it was uh, entertaining. It's a shame that the director hasn't directed another feature since this. Uh, you know, yeah. based on this movie, I'm sure it's hard to raise money for another film. But right. I would love to see a director like this get a shot at making a bigger movie. Yeah, I agree because I think that there are some good ideas here. There are some um, there are some fun moments. I mean, there's a couple moments I laughed out loud. It's not what I was initially expecting uh, when I when I had gotten the DVD. So, um, yeah, 6.5. And if you get a chance, definitely watch it. Yeah, I'll call it a rental. I can't remember what I would rate it, but I'm comfortable calling this a rental as well. Yep. Cool. And the penultimate movie from this discussion is a movie that has no relation to a movie we'll be talking about soon in the episode and that is The Elf from 2017. A little bit later in the show we are going to be talking about a movie called Elves from 1989. This is not that this is The Elf from 2017 and at one point as we were planning this episode I was considering a versus episode where we would re review Elves 1989, The Elf 2017 and elves 2018 um but the elf was so bad <laughs> that i couldn't even force myself to watch its sequel elves from the next year i just couldn't imagine it after watching the elf i, I had such a miserable experience um and this is interesting because elves 1989 is a so bad it's good movie in a lot of ways not to spoil our review but there is something, I don't know, it's something that I can't articulate yet. What makes one movie so bad it's good and another movie just so bad it's a miserable, miserable viewing experience. But that's what The, the Elf 2017 was. This is a movie that I could not laugh at. I don't think under any circumstance. I don't think if I was high. I don't think if I was with a bunch of friends. <laughs> I just can't imagine enjoying this experience. Well, it's yeah. so brutal. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned that, uh, Josh, because let me just mention to you that um, Greg Amortis uh, from Land of the Creeps 
we were getting together, you know, starting to prepare our Christmas uh, episode, and he had picked this film as one of the ones he wanted to watch. Yeah. And he, he posted on Facebook, I'm, you know, I'm watching this movie. And then a little bit later, he texted us and said, guys, I'm switching it up. <laughs> I could not get through this one. He turned it off after 10 minutes. He said, I'm done. I'm, and he picked another movie. So I wow. think you're not alone in, uh, in your... Uh, in your feelings about uh, this version of elf it's one of the worst edited movies i've seen in years the editing is so bad but it's also poorly acted poorly written and it, this is weird talking about this right before we talk about elves 1989 because elves 1989 is also poorly written poorly acted <laughs> it makes no sense scene to scene but somehow that one's fun and this one is uh, a, just a complete drag and yeah i i don't know how this movie got a sequel i cannot imagine how anybody saw this movie and was like yes give us more because if you go and look on like letterbox <laughs> it's all, all one star reviews in fact i was looking on letterbox when i rated it one star for my review um out of 10 and our other listeners who have seen this eric yvonne one and a half stars clarence diggles one star Dark Mark, one star. Ian West, one half star. And if you go to the <laughs> reviews for the film, the vast majority of reviews, 49%, gave it a half star rating on Letterboxd. Wow. So, I mean, this is a loathed movie, and yet somehow still, Uncorked Entertainment said, yep, we should definitely make a sequel for this. <laughs> I, let me tell you, when I see Uncorked Entertainment, when I pop in a DVD, my expectations immediately drop at least 50% as to <laughs> no. what the movie is going to be. I'm thinking, oh, maybe Eric Roberts is going to appear in this at some point. because <laughs> He seems to be really tied in with uncorked entertainment these days. Uh, it's very interesting that they were the ones behind this. Just you saying uncorked immediately has me thinking, yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch this one. Wow. It's just, it's, it's an elf on the shelf movie. It's an easy concept. You got an elf. He's on your shelf, but he's naughty. <laughs> like, there's not, and you don't have to do anything else. Yeah, it true. just can be that. Yep. But they've, it's got the most, again, other than Elves 1989, it's got the most convoluted plotting of any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> but somehow, the other one's amazing, and this one sucks. So, anyway, I, I won't believe the point. I don't have anything intelligent to say, unfortunately, but there are a couple of scenes. Hell, let's put some clips in here. Here are two moments in the film where they describe the plot of the elf. Tell me if you can follow this. Whoever accepts this gift will be the soul of its contents. You are part of a wild hunt. Any attempt to interrupt the nature of its intent will lead to end. Be warned that it sees all and punishes. You are granted removal of one name from his naughty list. Okay, that's the first one. That's the first time he finds the elf. Here's later in the film when they realize Here's what's really going on. Another name has been etched off. Let me see that. 
Was there anything else, something with it? I, no, I don't think so. It's a yes or it's a no. I said something about having the ability to erase one of the names. What does that mean? I, I don't know the photo book, the toy maker list, the... What about them? If this is a naughty list and it is compiled for all the names that were chosen for a wild hunt, shit. What? The reason the the reason why the Toymaker's ledger is empty is because he never finished. All the people in, in Blakely, they're the children of the town. Wait. You think, you think that this wild hunt is here to finish off the townspeople? No, they're descendants to finish the cycle. Their minds got old. No. Their minds never changed, but their bodies got old. That is why the old man in the car was acting so weird. Okay, well, if what you're saying is true, then your grandfather mustn't have finished the list, which means that you're next. And if we don't, Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, okay. Hey, Wolfman. Yeah. You're you're my friend. Yeah. And and I just want you to know that I really appreciate you taking one for the team. <laughs> well, dude, I was excited about reviewing some elves movies for our Christmas <laughs> horror show. Sure. Unfortunately, none of the elves movies I saw felt like they had anything to do with christmas <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true actually i will give this movie credit it feels like it has more to do with christmas than l's 1989 okay that's the one little bit of thing it's got going for it there's some snow in the movie i think that's maybe where it ends <laughs> <laughs> but the logic doesn't follow at all throughout the film anyway i'm sorry i keep talking about it i don't want to talk about it anymore hard avoid the elf 2017. Wow. Wow. All right. So to wrap up our micro reviews, 
we have Puka from 2019. Okay, Puka is a 2019 film directed by Nacho Vigalondo, who I'm a big fan of, um, for Blumhouse's Into the Dark television series on Hulu. And I think they did a really great job with this one. Um, he, you know, for those who don't remember Nacho, uh, he directed Extraterrestrials from 2011, Time Crimes, which people know him probably best for from 2007, yeah. Colossal from 2016. And my favorite, and I think Dave's favorite too, favorite segment of ABCs of Death A is for yes. Apocalypse. It's the very first one, A, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And Time Crimes is awesome as well. Yeah. So Nacho's a very exciting filmmaker. I don't know that Puka captures everything I like about him. It feels a little more standard fare than something like Time Crimes, which just feels wild. Um, this is pretty wild as well, and it's got some cool elements to it essentially and i'll just read this from imdb a struggling actor takes on a seasonal holiday job as the mascot for the year's hottest new toy puka however after putting on the costume he develops two personalities one for himself and one for puka so yeah essentially there's this hot new toy it's the teddy ruxpin or cabbage patch kid of its of its time um it's a little monstrous teddy bear that records what you say and then spits it back at you. But if it's in a good mood, Puka will say it pleasantly. And if it's in a bad mood, it might say it in a scary demon voice and um, its eyes light up red when it's, when it's bad and its eyes light up blue when it's good. And you have no control over the mood that Puka's in or what it will choose to repeat. Okay, so that's the doll. <laughs> now, this actor goes and tries out for the part of... He doesn't know at first, but he, he finds he's won the role of playing Puka, but it's got to be kept secret. But as the synopsis alludes to, this suit that he puts on starts kind of taking over his personality. And we don't know from his backstory how much of that is based on his own psychological demons of his past or how much it's related to the suit that he's wearing, but whatever the case, um, it's not going well. <laughs> so it's a fun movie. It's a little modern oddity. It was episode three of season one of into the dark. It's available on Hulu. I liked it a lot. Um, it's set at Christmas, but it's not very Christmasy. It's set in LA. And so there's no snow. There aren't a lot of lights, you know, nothing that really sets the Christmas mood, but it's fun. The main performances are good. Nasha Hatendi is the, is the lead and he's good as well as his love interest played by Latarsha Rose. Um, there's a great performance by John Daly in the film as well as Dale Dickey. And so it's a good cast. And I really like John Daly actually in the movie. He's, he's pretty creepy and fun. So I would give Puka probably a 7.5 and call it a high priority stream it on Hulu. Nice. As soon as you said uh, the director, I was on board because yeah. I, I just love his work. I really do. And yeah. even you were saying the opening of ABCs of death, uh, just everything he's done so far I've enjoyed. So uh, yeah, I'm on board. I'm looking forward to checking this one out. I do think this lack lacks the richness of like time crimes. This has more of that 
Blumhouse sheen and it just feels a little bit more generic. You know, it feels like this may have been an assignment. I don't know, but I do like it. And, and certainly Nacho Vigalanda is an interesting director. And this is a fun world where this movie takes place. This was written by Gerald Olson. Um, and he has not done anything else that I'm, I'm familiar with. So I imagine his, uh, writing was kind of one of the driving forces of the film, but it's, it was good. It was good. It's definitely worth, Definitely worth the rental. You know, it's free on Hulu, so awesome. easy, to, easy to check out. Nice. All right. So to wrap things up, as we put on our jammies, get our cider and sit around the fire waiting for Santa to come down the chimney. Granted, we've got a fire going, but that's a whole other a, a whole other story that we'll deal with later. <laughs> we are going to now finish out this episode with a discussion of a true Yuletide classic, Elves, from 1989. An innocent romp in the woods turns into a hellish nightmare when an evil force is accidentally awakened. Action International Pictures presents the gruesome holiday shocker, Elves. They're not working for Santa anymore. Their mission to mate with a virgin and conquer the world as a pint-sized master race. I'm saving it for someone special. Dan Haggerty stars as Mike McGavin, an ex-detective working on hard times. First you send and then you die. Santa must expose this unholy force before the elves destroy Christmas. Elves, they're not working for Santa anymore. All right, so this is, I don't even know if I should call this a review. Uh, oh, yeah. May I please, please, please be the one that reads the IMDb synopsis? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Because you know what? The IMDb synopsis in this case is strangely uh, valid. You it know, is. a lot of times IMDb is, it's a joke, but this one, it works and it doesn't, it, it's going to sound insane, but this is what the movie is. This is it. This is, uh, this is it, folks. So Elves tells the tale of a young woman discovering that she is the focus of an evil Nazi experiment involving selective breeding and summoned elves, an attempt to create a race of supermen. She and two of her friends are trapped in a department store with an elf, and only Dan Haggerty, as the renegade loose cannon Santa Claus, can save them. <laughs> what I love is that that is just misleading enough because that makes it sound like if the, honestly, if that had been the exact movie we had gotten, this would be like a 9.5 for me. <laughs> Let me tell you, as a kid, I loved the show Grizzly Adams. Mm -hmm. I used to love watching Grizzly Adams. And I remember as a child saying, boy, I would love to see Grizzly Adams take on Nazis. <laughs> yes. And Elves gave me that. I Now, I didn't read any plot description, but I did look at the poster. Yes. And... It's a beautiful Christmas wrapping paper with a creepy gremlin's hand bursting from the package. And it says they're not working for Santa anymore. So I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a fun yep. Christmas exploitation film. I had no idea what I was getting into. And I don't know that our review can ever match Never. our text exchange no. on this film. No. <laughs> <laughs> but 
the three of us all watched this within 24 hours and the texts were hilarious yeah it, it was it is i don't even i, I don't even know where where does one start I, I suppose you start at the beginning you start at the start where you have three women who at first you think oh is this like a is this like a coven is this uh are these women going into the forest mother nature talk about mother earth mother nature they're gonna perform some quote-unquote anti-christmas ritual now when i saw them I thought, oh, it's interesting. This coven seems to be made up of soccer moms because (laughs) they all look like they're pushing, you know, later 20s. Maybe, yeah, there's maybe. no way. Yeah, this this is this is the '80s version of a teenager. You know, when in the movie Zapped, where everybody's in their mid twenties except one character who actually yes. missed their prom for this movie. You know, every every other one. <laughs> yes. that's this film. That is They're this all film. They're in their late late twenties, early thirties. These are the teenagers. But they say totally a lot, a la Halloween, and therefore <laughs> they are <Right>. teenagers. <laughs> yes, because by 1989, that was totally a thing. So they go into the woods and they presumably are going to do a ritual that they never actually do. And one of the Sisters of Anti-Christmas, isn't that what they call themselves, I believe? Uh, yeah, for, for, for about two seconds. And then it turns out that they, they're just trying to get guys or something. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. So yeah, Kirsten <laughs> is the lead one. And as we learn, will be the, the main character. She accidentally cuts her hand. I guess, and some blood drips under the earth and they get up, they leave and smoke starts coming out of the ground and we get an arm shooting up. Now, it's never established that this is some weird, you know, uh, mystical ground. They never actually performed a ritual, but okay, we'll go with it. Somehow they just summoned the elves, plural, right? Uh, well, uh, uh, you would think not you so the title of the film, so there must be elves. Sure, not so fast. There must be elves out there, but you're not. But you know what? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. <laughs> not so fast, kids. No, no, no. There is one elf, and this guy's <laughs> not just on a shelf. <laughs> he's gonna take a stiletto to your crotch. Is what he's. Gonna <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna. Well, he's gonna take a stiletto to the crotch of somebody who kind of deserves it. Okay, that I mean, is fair. You know, fair, totally that, fair. That, this is an elf who's kind of looking out. In a way, think, kind or, of, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind yeah. Of. You know, he's he's keeping an eye on. He's keeping an eye on the prize. All joking aside, uh, I will say, I and uh, you guys are gonna begin to laugh at me now. If you want to start even before I finish speaking, um. I actually liked the way, especially when it was sort of hidden in shadows, the elf looked. Now, <sighs> I, oh, let me let me finish. Let me make my point. <laughs> there was times, and I don't know if it was the eyes, because I'm assuming it was a puppet, but there was times the eyes almost looked like it was a mask being worn by somebody because the eyes looked very real. There are times when it looks like that. There are times when it looks like like uh, almost a, a, a puppet, like you're saying, that, that somebody put together. There are times when it's shot in that sort of Spike Lee way where the camera's attached and it's just sort of mo- moving around. I the, the elf was very, very bizarre. The elf's probably the strangest thing about, uh, about this very strange film. And probably my favorite part of the movie, if I'm being honest. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. I mean, first of all... <laughs> <laughs> that was a very high bar to say that it's the strangest thing in the movie. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to inbreeding Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the way that the, the elf is handled, at least the Nazi angle is handled in a more direct way. <laughs> yeah, totally. Even a little bit more than, than why Dan Haggerty is hanging out at the mall, <laughs> you know, overnight. <laughs> you understand the Nazis a little more than even understand uh, Grizzly Adams hanging out at the mall. 
I don't know. I didn't even understand that they were Nazis until at least halfway through the movie because those accents <laughs> were not sounding German to me in any way whatsoever. They were not sounding German to you when they say Z <laughs> instead of V? <laughs> Dude, it was brutal. Well, the, here's the weird thing about Dan Haggerty. You know from the second you see him that this guy's going to be Santa Claus. Why? Because he looks like Santa Claus already. Literally. But then... Right. He starts playing Santa Claus. He wears a fake beard and hair. <laughs> what? <laughs> he looks like Santa Claus in his real life. That's why you hire him. He wears <laughs> a fake beard. Uh, and a what? What? Oh, my you God. already have a Santa beard. Yes, totally. <sighs> yeah, he, he did. He, he did. This movie's exhausting. Can you talk about I, it? The elf looking like a mix between a puppet and a mask. The thing that looks like the most is a statue because its face doesn't move when it's biting things when it's attacking <laughs> talking like it just what? it's in a perpetual state of having its mouth wide open by the way did anyone notice i don't think the elf makes a peep for like 99 of the movie no, it doesn't say it's a having word no, it's, it's it doesn't say a word. yes yep it's that it's doing all this stuff it doesn't make a sound at the beginning at the very beginning you heard like grunting kind of a grunting noise um i love that it looks like a mouth breather <laughs> I love, I, I I love that its mouth is just hanging open like it's just it, like 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 it'd be like Cletus the slack jawed yokel like it's totally in the world of demons. The first oh, yeah. time I saw it attack someone in the movie, I thought, okay, so this is like something that's sucking people's souls out of their body. That's the posture that its body was in. But no, that's how it just claws somebody. I don't know. Yeah. It's a really weird. <laughs> It's very, it's, it's very strange. I swear to God, when I was looking, I said, this has to be a full moon film from like a, like a straight to video full moon film from the late eighties uh, when they were doing like nightmare sisters and sorority mm -hmm. babes and the slide ball and Bolarama. I said, this has to be like their holiday. It wasn't, it's not a, nope, it doesn't have anything. As a matter of fact, Dan Haggerty is one of the producers, which I'm sure wow. is part of the reason why he, he plays the action hero in the film. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the one who goes up against the Nazis and the jumps from <laughs> moving car. I, just, that, I, I think that might have been what I that might have been the scene I laughed the hardest is seeing Dan Haggerty roll <laughs> from a moving car after finding a bomb. I, oh, I, oh, yeah. No, it wasn't just a bomb. It was like a it was like a Looney Tunes type bomb. Yeah, it was. It was like a road. It was like the coyote trying to blow up. The yeah, road it should have said Acme across it. It was like sticks of dynamite. Yeah, taped together like like an act. It should have said Acme. Yeah, it, it, honestly, I started to lose it. Maybe not even ten minutes into this movie when the main character Kirsten, the quote unquote teen, who again looks like a thirty year old sucker mom. She's taking a shower because, you know, it's the 80s. Why not? And <laughs> and so but then she comes out and her brother, who I swear to God, the kid has got to be what, nine, maybe? Yes. Yeah. Little Willie. And he says, after catching her, spying on her in the shower, she's like, I'm your sister. And Willie says, and I quote, yeah, you've got fucking big dudes, and I'm going to tell everybody I saw them. <laughs> Yeah, that li that line comes out of it like a nine year old's mouth, and you're like, "What is happening?" Literally, I sort that's when my notes just became like, "What is happening?" So, but against all odds, 
that actually plays into the plot of the film. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This family yes. has that. Uh, you find out that there is a history of similar. Uh, how do I put it? Lusts. <laughs> familial relations. Familial relations in this. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I think the part that I started to say, I mean, that was bizarre. That was <laughs> that was like very strange. What it was for me was where the mother drowned a cat in the toilet. <laughs> because, well, my, I, wait, wait, wait. wait. My, one of my kids, one of my kids was asking me about the movie. And obviously there's a lot I couldn't tell them, but I'm like, okay, just to give you guys an idea, there's a scene where the mom, for no good reason other than just to be a jerk, takes her daughter's quote unquote only true friend a cat puts it in a pillowcase and drowns it in a toilet and you know what what's really funny is the mother you hate her you can't wait oh, to see what happens horrible. to the mother until a certain twist late in the film and then you're like wow i kind of understand the mother now <laughs> Yes, but you don't understand why she doesn't believe in trolls when she's known about this her entire life. Yes, indeed, indeed. Oh, by the way, well, what, true. What, another important line from this movie, um, and I'm and I'm glad that they came up with this because honestly, it's an original take uh, on on a line. I was very impressed with this line of dialogue, which was when there's no more room in hell, elves, elves will walk the earth. <laughs> I, I literally wanted to stand up and go, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> they said it twice. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, did you also catch Grizzly Adams reacting to a big grizzly, a stuffed grizzly bear at the store? Oh, boy. He totally did. He totally did. You know what? And I loved how he interrupted the dinner. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. And, and Mike, the Dan Haggerty character, says, I need to know the connection between the elves and the Nazis. <laughs> Right, right now. And meanwhile, his two young daughters are sitting there staring up at him. It's like, all right, there's two lines of thinking here. It is amazing. I mean, see, this is the problem. This is the, this go this transcends even cinematic oddity. Like you can't. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'll it's be honest with you. Proof. This is this is either the Plan Nine from Outer Space of Christmas movies or the Citizen Kane of bad Christmas movies. It's one of the two. <laughs> Uh, Wolfman, what say you? <laughs> With regard to what? <laughs> <laughs> Any of it. <laughs> um, well, I would say I put ourselves out there to do the commentary, but based on this review, I don't know if we can handle it. <laughs> Good point. Uh. <laughs> it's too much. We're all over the place. If you think, though, that this review is a little fly by the seat of its pants it's just a perfect reflection of what <laughs> watching this movie is like it really is it's not any different than the film the movie shifts gears so many times inexplicably you're watching a movie that seems like a very straightforward creature feature and then all of a sudden this was a creature that looked very beastly but okay it can use a knife to stab someone to death then it kind of shifts gears into the mom drowning a cat, as Dave was saying. Then it shifts gears into what felt like Reservoir Dogs, where just anyone can die. Anyone can get shot in the yes. head at any moment yes. in this movie. Yes. And then, <laughs> then we've got a crime shootout. Then Nazis are like the main focus of the film. Then there's cars exploding. I mean, and meanwhile, Grizzly Adams' Santa Claus is at the forefront of all the action when he really doesn't have much motivation to be involved with this proceeding. He really doesn't. There's no reason for him to care so much about Kirsten. Uh, I, I, uh, wait a minute. I'm going to I'm gonna push back on that a bit. He is a former detective. Well, that's yeah. true. 
They, they established that for about 12 seconds they, there. They no, did. They, yeah, he had they, a drinking right, problem and he was off the force now. And this, I think, is his redemption. It's really a redemption story, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? That's true. That's very true. There's some drama involved here. Do you understand this reviews like this? That I wish we did this with video just so I could watch Wolfman's reactions to the stupid crap <laughs> that's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I just can't believe what was happening when we were watching it. Uh, I, I, there was no point while watching this movie that I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> no, none. Not once. Not one time. It's true. You're not wrong. Yeah. Is uh, there a quote? Is, did you find a quote, Joel, about the grandfather? I didn't take any pleasure. Oh, no. They actually, no, oddly enough, they do not have that one. They do have a, 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 under the with the uh, character name is Dead Santa. It just says whispers. <laughs> Santa said oral. (laughs) 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 It is so ridiculous. And then here's the funny part. I think we've established there are certain movies I can't watch when when like there's obviously real animal cruelty or violence. Okay, but I don't even like when it's like fake. If it's done like with any effectiveness, it bothers me. Okay, because I'm a Mm -hmm. wuss apparently. But in this movie. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's not remotely upsetting. It's because it's just so because it's so out of left field. It's like what every character, no character does anything that makes any sense in this movie. None. Zilch. Oh my god. Wait, and by the way, and by the way, without because I, I, God knows you don't want to spoil this movie, uh, which I'm pretty sure we already have. But who cares? I, mean, I feel like you could spoil this movie. Actually, no, I take it all back. You could spoil this movie, and you still will be flabbergasted as you watch it. Absolutely. We could we could tell you the last scene, and you'll have no idea how this movie gets there. Looking at <laughs> like watching it, you'll have no clue Not how it's going to get to that final scene. Yeah. Well, let's just say there's a character who gets into a bathtub, and it was the most like odd use of a body double <laughs> like it was it was yeah it, it was a weird like i know a lot of times in movies especially <laughs> movies of this era i know they would do that right they would use a body double if there was going to be nudity because the actress didn't want to do it blah 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 but it was almost like when you watch a movie where they didn't even remotely try to hide the stuntman who's standing in for the the actor you know in a, in a, right. in a, it's like, like a 110 pound woman rolls down the stairs and it's like a 230 pound stunt man with a yeah, mustache exactly. it's <laughs> almost it's almost that jarring <laughs> like, you're like what what yeah the, it, this movie's got it all kids i i can't yeah the best part is i really can't even give this a real a true rating because like if a rating is a movie it's like a two <laughs> right, I mean, uh, you know what? I'm not going to give it a number rating, no. but I'm going to say watch it immediately. Wa- yeah, it's Go out and highly recommend immediately. Highly recommend. It's because it, yeah, it's just it's it's literally up. I mean, I don't think it's quite as fun as a troll two. Like, I think a troll two, which I know is sort of like the cliche go to of like, oh, there's an example of the ultimate, you know, quote unquote bad movie, blah blah blah. That's fun to watch. Um, but I feel like troll two is more fun overall like the elves did have some points where it's like okay for i think it's only like what maybe an hour and a half it's maybe less than that but it did it's, it's i think it's now like just just around an hour and a half yeah, yeah i think it, it's just about an and hour there's, and a half. but there, and there are a few moments you're like okay you know let's go let's go let's go uh but some of the but even in those like slower moments there's at least one line of dialogue that is just so insane that you're you're just going to be like spending the next Three minutes shaking your head. Go, what did they? Did they just say that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah they did. I, mean, the I would say that the, this doesn't have the same fun in terms of dialogue as Troll Two. Like Troll Two's got more yes, I would that. lines yeah. than this film does. But I would say in every other way, this rivals Troll Two, and it's got 
a budget that Troll 2 doesn't have the benefit of having, yet still manages to be just as bad as crazy. <laughs> they spent <laughs> all of the budget on seemingly like firearms and explosives and locations, mm -hmm. but they didn't put any additional money into writing or acting or creature effects than Troll 2 did. Yeah. And because I mean that car explosion probably cost them a pretty penny because they focus on that, <laughs> you know that, that yeah. that's like a major the way that they the way that they shot that that's a uh, uh, and it's not even that big of a moment in the film if we're being honest it's like sort of a a, a, a throwaway in a way it's just like he he well, it's sees totally the, unnecessary <laughs> right it doesn't make sense he sees the Roadrunner bomb but instead of throwing the bomb out he jumps out he of the jumps, car yeah. By the way, did you notice? Did you notice the car? They've been driving presumably on some kind of like a two lane highway. Suddenly, they look like they were on a beach. There was a lot of sand. <laughs> and I'm guessing that's because you're blowing up a car. They're probably harder to get permits to do that on an actual road as opposed to some big right. sand let's lot. Just, yeah. Let's just drive. Let's just drive off the highway onto a beach sure, um, before the car explodes. Right, and it, it drove. It got there without a driver, which is the most impressive. It, it, it really is. And I will add this, and I think this is super important. So there was a fleeting second where i looked up elves on imdb and as soon as i saw that poster art by the way the uh, video because that's the video box i remember as a kid i remember seeing that and wanting to see it because i was a huge lover of gremlins and critters and ghoulies and all of those so i was mm -hmm. like, oh this is like the one other than maybe hobgoblins i've seen most of but i haven't seen the whole thing i always thought this was the one of the few movies munchies all of those that i hadn't seen now having seen it i realized i actually has nothing to do with any of those movies and it's not right, remotely nothing that of them, right. it's not it's <laughs> It's not a tiny terror movie at all, really. I mean, I guess he's tiny, kind of, but it's not what I was thinking. But it listed as PG-13 on IMDb. That is a lie. That is a flagrant lie. Be aware of that if you're a parent who's like, oh, it's a PG-13 movie about a killer elf. It'll be fine. No, I'm really telling you, <laughs> do not. It but, probably should not. Yeah, unless I, wouldn't, you don't I wouldn't recommend this. Room. If you don't yeah. care, go for it. Whether it's your call. I'm just like to right. tell you, I am glad I did not. Because there would have been a lot of things I had to explain that I'm glad I did not have to explain. <laughs> well, as I was saying, even the final line that our heroine yells at the elf would be hate speech by today's terms and, and uh, get a PG-13 rating for hate speech alone in, in today's world. It's interesting that so many of these 80s movies right there they'll say stuff that obviously by today's standards are you know, come across as homophobic or racist or whatever and they and, but in this one it's almost like especially that line you're referring to they it's like they're going out of their way oftentimes it's some character that's kind of a you know set up as like a kind of like a d-bag and they're just being a jerk but her why she even says what she says it doesn't, it doesn't even make, make any sense. sense no <laughs> it makes no sense yeah but it, it, uh, it's still uh, worth watching though i'm sorry I, it, so let me ask you this wolfman are you glad you at least saw it it's in my head <laughs> it's within me i know what to do it has something to do with swastikas and my boobs and a bowl oh we forgot swastika bowl is the key <laughs> no yeah. i'm just gonna stick a crystal into a hole and call someone a f <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this, this this will be the year of the elf. Oh my the god! Elves. Yeah. The elves. Oh this, my god! And 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 boy, I you know as as you're watching it, you're just your jaw's hitting the ground every five minutes. You're like, how can this movie get any stranger? Oh, that's how. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. So I think we're all saying we highly recommend it. 
but it's it's sort of like beyond a rating. <laughs> no, I, I disagree with that. I you know for me, ratings reflect the uh, objective filmmaking, and my recommendation reflects my enjoyment of it. So. Okay. Very easily, I can rate and recommend this. It's a it's a three out of ten for filmmaking. Um, you have to give them some credit for doing something different with a Christmas movie than we've ever seen before. <laughs> um, I like Dan Haggerty in this film. Uh, you know, I thought he was a lot of fun. I I I really really enjoyed uh, his performance. I like Julie Austin as well. I think she's good in it. Everything else is pretty bad, but it's entertaining. This is a high priority rental recommendation if you can find it anywhere. I had to watch this one on YouTube. Yes, I think actually, can I just say this? I think it's it's one of those movies too that to my knowledge has never gone beyond VHS. I think the only way you can get this is on YouTube or VHS. I looked. Now, there is a guy on eBay <laughs> who sells out of print DVDs. Um, I may or may not have bought one for Home for the Holidays yesterday <laughs> from him. Um I, I normally wouldn't recommend doing this, but unless Vinegar Syndrome or Scream Factory or somebody can come through and get this out on Blu-ray, I would say check out this guy's store on eBay. He's got a lot of films like Iced and Elves and Home for the Holidays that you can't find anywhere else. And uh, let's see, what is his? He's from Miami Beach, Florida. Oh, hey. Wow. <laughs> My people. Okay. I, mean, I, I usually I usually put a limit on you know the, the what I'll pay for a DVD. But if I know right now that no one else is going to release this, I would go to triple figures to pick up this this movie <laughs> and, on DVD. And, and, and you don't have to. This guy this guy he's called Creature Feature Videos on eBay. I, I'm not associated with him in any way, <laughs> other than I I may or may not have purchased one of his products. Um, but he has a thing where he will only put out a DVD if he considers the video quality level to be a 7 out of 10 or above and he wow. tells you in the video description what this one is out of 10. Oh okay. So uh yeah, I would just say check it out if you want to see elves uh, uh not on That YouTube. would be, you know what that that might be worth it. I would uh I'm going to check that out. But let's get a great transfer of this film. Um I want to see I want to see the Nazis fight Dan Haggerty in high definition. <laughs> So thank you to one and all for joining us for this Christmas episode. We hope you all have a wonderful holiday season, whatever it is you celebrate, and a glorious new year. That's it for this episode. We'd like to invite you to get involved in the Horror Movie Podcast community. You can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode at horrormoviepodcast.com, where you can also find this and all of our past episodes. You can also connect with us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. And please subscribe and leave a review for Horror Movie Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to us on Stitcher and Spotify. And don't forget to get your listener-designed HMP t-shirts at HorrorMoviePodcast.com slash store. We'd like to thank composer Kagan Breitenbach for creating our Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope you'll be back for our next episode of Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies.
On earth, I know nothing worse than being depressed and told to be happy. The season of Sue aside, I know why they died. Christmas reminds me I have nothing. You've got no to eat, no ornaments or wreath, so I'll hang myself from the Two other films that I, I resisted watching when we talked about them on the show. I'm not even sure if I gave them good ratings, but they've stuck with me and they've become repeat viewings for me are P2 from 2007. Uh, it's not super Christmassy, but there is a great rendition or a great use, I should say, of Elvis's Blue Christmas in that film, which yep. I really loved. And then ATM which is again not super christmasy but it's fun and it's cold and it's a it's a good film to watch around this time of year that has a bit of uh the wintry christmasy spirit to it so i would i would say check those out beyond um better watch out krampus and a movie that okay i might get some pushback but i feel like i say night of the comet Nice. Because it doesn't matter what time of year it is. You can always watch Night of the Comet. Okay. And it yep. does take place yep. around Christmas time, technically. So I don't know if it's going to really put you in the mood, but it will make you happy and put a smile on your face. So I say definitely watch yeah. it. I, I don't know how Christmassy that one is. It's, it's a stretch. That's what I was going to mention Dead End, but it's not Christmas. It's not as Christmassy as the sure, other three, but sure. Dead End is another really good movie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think that for me, I just wanted an excuse to mention Night of the Comets. When you were saying what you were saying about like ATM and about the wintry feel and everything. What about, would you argue, could a movie be a Christmas movie without being set at Christmas or having anything to do with Christmas? Or is it just that it's a winter cold movie? Because I was thinking Misery. Well, no. Oh, Misery is a great pick, I think. You know, when we talked about Frozen, uh, Adam Green's Frozen, not the Disney movie, yeah. <laughs> um, one year for our Christmas show because we were kind of low on options that year. But, you know, I just think, of course, like anything that puts me in a wintry mood, I love to watch at Christmas time The Edge, that survival horror sure, that's film. That's a great with, one, yeah. But I specifically, because the shows we're talking about on this episode, 
have so little Christmassy spirit. Sure. I just wanted to give the listeners a little flavor and okay. say, hey, yeah, that's there's some good Christmassy selections out there if you're not aware of them. Yeah. Rare Exports will be my last recommendation. That's, yeah, that's one a I great think. movie. That's a great movie. You haven't oh, seen it yet. It's, it's worth so checking good. out. Totally. I watched Rudolph uh, again recently, and I guess get ready for the for the um, for the bleep here. But watching it now, doesn't Santa Claus seem like an animal? He really is. Oh, he's a total tool. <laughs> They're all so horrible. And like poor and poor Rudolph, his own dad. It's just like it's no shaming him through like the entire like for, as soon as he's born, he's like immediately shaming him. Oh for, yeah, for this, this is such a product of such a product of its time because yeah. nowadays, uh, you know, that there'd, there'd be the the bullying. They would, I mean, it's like everybody's bullied in that movie. Yeah. Yukon Cornelius is kind of a b- too, actually, the more I think about well, yeah, it. He could, you know, he, yeah, but you know what? At least he's on the good side. At least he's friends with the outcast. Yeah, compared to Santa. <laughs> Santa, you know what? You're, 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 looking at, you're looking at Santa. When he's thin, you're like, dude, eat something because you're a miserable son of a b-. He should be in those <laughs> Snickers commercials. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's something. But I will say, is it me or what was it about the '60s as a decade? Because like all of the most beloved holiday shorts are from that decade, are they not? It is. Uh, they are. They absolutely or, or the or the early '70s. I think um, the year without a Santa Claus might have been the early '70s, and that one I love with the freeze miser and, and oh yeah, miser. That, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the Burgermeister. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's and Burgermeister was um uh, what was that Santa Claus is coming to town? Both of them with Mickey mm. Rooney doing the voice. Oh, that's right. Yes, 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 yes. I like those. Yeah, I like those um, a lot. Uh, those are both great. I, I realize that everything is about to come out of my mouth from this point on is going to either confirm everyone's opinion about me. For good or bad, for for you know, for good or ill, or uh, you're just gonna you know just completely dismiss me, and I and I don't care. I just want to make sure we're clear on that on the front end. Fat man. No, oh, I was wondering about that. Crazy? Is it a horror, it's not a horror movie. No, it's not. It's more. It's an. It's more of a straight up like action thriller kind of movie than a horror movie. I wouldn't call it horror at all. Really, I mean, it gets violent at a few points, but it's not not horror. It, it is crazy. Mel Gibson as angry bitter santa claus and it is oh. amazing and since you are a hateful eight fan uh, i don't know if you ever watched the show justified which is also fantastic walton goggins is the mm. hit and killer that is hired to assa- t- take out santa claus nathan butterball just recommended fat man oh my to god me, and i have i have not seen it yet but i'm now i'm really anxious oh, to see i it. loved it so much dude and it, here's a key it's shockingly played like it's it's way more serious than i thought it would be i was expecting mm-hmm. this crazy over-the-top bad santa-esque you know vulgar display and it's not that it's like actually has a heart like it's it's really really good um and the wow. actor I'm, I'm having to look this up so i'm sorry so the actress that plays uh his wife plays mrs claus mary uh marianne jean baptiste and mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I know her from some things, but it's like she was in uh, In Fabric, which I think you've recommended, Josh. Or am I imagining yeah. that? In Fabric's yeah. a good movie. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but she, you know, she's done a ton of stuff. Fantastic actress. She plays Mrs. Claus. She is great at it. It's a really, really fun movie. Like, it, and it's like I also thought it'd probably be mean spirited, and it's shockingly not. Like the whole, I, I, you, you have to see it to believe it. But it's great. I thought it was fantastic. If you get a chance, Fat Man. Highly recommend. Nice. nice. 
I, you know, and one one I did want to recommend. This is comedy. This is straight up comedy. But I this is another one that I recommended to a um a coworker, and they really enjoyed it. It's the Hebrew Hammer. I've heard of that. Is it? So, oh, yeah. Adam Goldstein. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hilarious. He he's out to save Hanukkah, even though it's not one of the major holidays. He wants to save Hanukkah because Santa Claus's son has murdered Santa and taken over Christmas. <laughs> played by Andy Dick. He played Santa Claus's son. He has murdered Santa, and he is trying to de- to destroy all of the other holidays to give Christmas an edge. He's trying to destroy Kwanzaa and Hanukkah, and the Hebrew Hammer. It is not only just sort of a, a spoof on uh, on the holidays; it's also a spoof on black exploitation pictures of the seventies. Oh my god. Um, and it is and it, there, there's there's a, a montage in there uh, where uh, that's sort of a take on um, what is that from Superfly the cocaine montage uh, of of like still shots where instead of cocaine he's trying to pass out like uh, Santa Claus is trying to control the market of Christmas specials uh, or Christmas movies and, and trying to d- destroy all of the other holidays so the Hebrew Hammer floods the market with Barbara Streisand's Yentl. <laughs> To try to pull it back in. Uh, wow. There's hilarious. And one of my favorite lines in the movie is um, the Hebrew Hammer and his associate, uh, they go undercover and uh, infiltrate Kmart, um, posing as wasps. But they're discovered, and all of a sudden, over the last pick, you hear, attention, Kmart shopper, there are Jews in aisle seven. Oh. It is hilarious. Sasha Baron Cohen movie. It does kind of. It does does sound like that, but it is so funny. It is such a funny film. It's got Judy Greer in it. Huh? Judy Greer's in it. I was just yeah, looking. Judy Greer. That's who it was. I couldn't remember her name. She, it's her. It's it's Adam Goldstein and Judy Greer who are in the Kmart <laughs> at the time. It is such a funny movie. It I'm really looking, is. I'm, I'm and putting it this is on a queue. proof of holiday films and also black exploitation films of of the uh, of the seventy. Mario um, Melvin Van Peebles has a ca- ca- cameo in it. You know from uh, uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass and, song. Uh, Mario you know, Van Peebles. Yeah, Mario Van Peebles. Mario, son, Mario yeah. Van Peebles is the guy who's trying to save Kwanzaa. Okay, you know, so there's a lot. It's it's such a funny. Uh, it's it's hilarious. If you get a chance, watch um, the Hebrew Hammer. It's so funny. All right. Yeah, I'm adding adding that to the queue. What's what are the guys in the Big Lebowski? At it's very nihilistic. If you yes. don't mind something Not nihilist, nihilist. Yes, 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 the nihilist. Don't, don't worry, Don. Don't worry. Don't be scared, Donnie. These men are nihilists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my letterbox review of the day I saw it. I said, here's my train of thought after learning about Lucky Stiff while perusing Christmas horror lists for our upcoming holiday show. From the writers of Naked Gun, Hard Pass. Wait, from director Anthony Perkins? Interesting. Your letterbox review probably should have ended with P.S. Uh, this is totally something the Gill Man would dig, and he's the only one I know who would. But I'm telling you right now, and I'm going to put out a call. We have a lot of people like in the industry who 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 listen to the podcast. Somebody put this on Blu-ray. I will buy please, it day one, and I will please. make it part of my collection, and I will make it part of my holiday tradition. I will watch it every year. <laughs> Somebody go out there and give us 4K. I'll buy this damn thing on 4K. <laughs> yeah. Give us a 4K of 1989's Elves. I will own it right away. But here's the catch, though. I want extras. I was looking up some stuff on this. There's nothing. Oh, yes. I want a, I want a commentary. I don't care who does the commentary. Yes. I don't give a damn who does the well, commentary. Actually, I'm connected to the, uh, the I, I think it's the same guy. I'm connected to the uh, effects artist. from This is one of the first movies he ever did. His name's uh, no, Vincent Costini. I think is how you pronounce it. Yes. 
And let's find out. Let's find out why the elf does. And it's funny because I think it's funny because um, in the credits, the director of this film is also listed as the guy who does the elf's eyebrows. Yeah, I caught that too. I don't know what the hell that means. I caught that too. But uh, yeah, definitely. I'd love to hear him, uh, you know, talk about why the elf doesn't actually talk. I would love to hear stories about the making of this movie. That's what I would hear. I would hear commentaries. I would, I would like on popcorn, how they had the hour long behind the scenes. Like the context is everything. Yeah, and I want to context. Let's bring in the actor who played the son. Let's uh, play the brother. Let's yes. hear what he had to say. Any specials, any behind the scenes, just somebody please. put this out, please on 4k. On Dave and I are begging I you. Dying. I have a feeling Wolfman might Absolutely. not be uh, sharing. <laughs> <laughs> Our desperation for the Blu-ray of this movie. Hi. Oh, yeah, I forgot that you guys were, I guess, well, we've been quarantined is about the same, but I'm used to this working situation. <laughs> okay, I'm actually going to leave now, but thank you. appreciate it. The way that it's handled. Uh-oh. Fire, fire, get out of the house.